Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world, you. In our third installment of our stress series, today we explore how changing careers and ultimately transitioning into the retirement world can be stressful. We're excited today. We get to interview Dan Caesar, professional musician and retiree, to explore how we can deal with the excitement and challenges of changing our career path. And with me as always is Jillian Power. Are you excited about today's episode? I am so pumped. Yeah? Yeah. And I'm excited. Full disclaimer, I've been friends with Dan Caesar for, oh my goodness, almost 20 years. And I've heard so many great band stories, so many great musician stories. One of the most interesting people I know. And I'm not just saying that because he's sitting in the room with us. So I'm excited. So He well, says it when you're not here. Yeah, so. totally, totally. So welcome, Dan Caesar. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Great to be here. So I'm going to just start off with just sort of grilling you a little bit just about your life as a musician because I find this so fascinating. You were originally a full-time musician. And what I find amazing about this is that you did not have like a quote-unquote regular job through most of your adult life. You were a working paid musician. Is that right? That's right. So what, what is a life of a professional musician? Like what, I know you were an agent for a while. You were putting together a band. You're touring. What, what does your average day look like when you were a professional musician? Well, been a, I was a professional musician starting, I guess when I was about 14, 15 years old. Wow. Now being 64, we're, we're looking at 50 <laughs> years. It freaks me out just saying that. Um, but yeah, it's a different, obviously when we're talking corporate, it's a whole different world. I mean, uh, just starting with the hours. I mean, obviously... The, 90% of the time, we're up till the wee hours of the morning. Um, but I took took my craft fairly seriously uh, to the point of being a bass player, being a musician, and uh, always had a plan, uh, trying to have a plan to better myself as a musician. Um, even throughout the week, what are my plans to get through the week? And uh, I guess I learned a lot of that from the corporate world as well. But uh, just, you know, something about playing music, there's something to be said about doing something you love. You know, to, uh, the old cliche, you don't find a, find a job you don't like, you'll never have to work another day in your life. But uh, So it felt very fortunate because I enjoyed everything about the music business. I mean, there were some rough days or whatever, but that's to be in, in anything. Joe, you, sorry. No, no, you're, yeah. I'm, I'm like chopping <laughs> at the bit here already. I'm <laughs> no, you're not. Uh, go ahead. And there's so many people out there who has that passion, maybe, who are doing a corporate job now and they're like, I want to know how to make it work or, you know, is that possible? Can I actually take something that's a passion of mine and make it a reality? How did you do that? Well, I think, you know, uh, I, I think I have my parents to thank me for that. We're just always being on the business sense of, of life, you know, because being a musician, I think they always thought one day I'll grow up and, you know, kind of say, oh, that was a fun four or five, six years. Well, obviously, when we got to be the age of 20, early 20s, mid-20s, I'm still playing and still trying to better myself. They went from one extreme to hoping I'd be over this to really supporting me, you know, and it was really nice. I remember the, when they bought me a piano for my birthday once, and it was just, uh, it meant the world to me. It was just because uh, they knew they were, they were on side and they believed what I was doing. But on the business side of it, you know, you have to make a living doing it, Um so, you know, you have to hook up with the right group of people. You're on the same page, uh, have the same goals. Obviously, you, you need to have your finances together to make a living, and, and music can be challenging that way. So you really have to diversify would be the word as far as a musician being able to accept whatever, how am I trying to say it, other jobs, right? Like say musically I'm doing a job I'm not crazy about, mm -hmm. but it makes sense in the big picture uh, as far as 
making a living doing it. You know, it wasn't always, I wasn't that kind of guy. I'm sticking to my guns and I'm playing this kind of music. I'm a jazz guy and this is only what I'm going to play. And which would be fun if you were okay financially, but you know. But knowing and having that flexibility to be able to say, hey, no, I, I have to take a couple of random ones too. Exactly. Now, and that was very important. I really believed you. That was a must, you know, as far as having your financial uh, situations where you're not worried or stressed out as opposed to living, as opposed to living week to week is where I'm going with. So there's a Good plan to you. it as opposed to just, okay, this is what I'm doing this week, but, you know, trying to look further into the, the future, you know. So we're so excited you're here today. We're talking about stress and, and dealing with stress in our lives. And I know one of the things we talk about is relationships, and it could be relationships with ourselves or relationships with a significant other, friends, family. When you're in a band, you could have four, five, six people, f different personalities, different backgrounds, different values. Is that one of the most stressful parts of having a band? I don't know if it would be uh, stressful, but you know, in, in, in a situation, yeah, you get a group of, say, six to eight to ten musicians together. Personalities are from A to Z. So mm -hmm. that's always a challenge. And respecting their their personalities to to a point you know uh but that, that was a real important part of it being able to have a relationship in a band and you know whether it's critic taking criticism giving criticism and it's all how it's delivered right it's let's talk a little bit about that i'm interested in that about having a difficult conversation with somebody what would be an example of a difficult conversation you would have with somebody in a band would you have to say fire someone or maybe discipline them or try to get them in a different direction? Maybe their musical standards weren't up to your standards? Yeah, I, I could think of two situations that come to mind. One time I had to had to let go of a guitar player, fire him, and I just hate even <laughs> saying anything about firing him and who am I to fire. But he just as a musician, he just wasn't getting it. Uh, just, you know, never coming to rehearsals with her homework done and uh, late, just you name it. There was just everything going against this guy, and we we tried talking about it several times, and it just wasn't working. So, I was the band leader at that point in time, and had to let him go. Uh, the other one was, um, a, a, you know, a good friend in the band, but just uh, had a, an alcohol problem, and it got to the point it was interfering with the band. It was we were losing different gigs, so it was it was hard to hard to do, and and a friend of mine. So to sit down and saying, hey, we're letting you go, and. And this was her passion and a band she was quite proud about. And just for that reason, it's just, yeah. So, Dan, those are really, like, to me, when you're talking about them, it's like I could, I could feel stress. Like, I don't know oh. if it's, like, for me, if that was me in the situation, the build up before doing anything would be stressful because I would kind of know that something has to happen. So it would almost be a little anxious. Yeah. So can you talk about that? process because it seems how we are talking about stress so yeah. how did you manage to be like you know what time to deal like i, I gotta yeah. do something here yeah that it, it that was stressful for both both uh, situations uh but a friend told me something that kind of sticks with me to this day and it was years ago that just you know cutting to the chase and having that conversation because i was putting it off day after day and tiptoeing around it and trying to figure out the time to do it and Basically, as this uh, friend said to me, he said, uh, you know, five minutes of pain <laughs> of doing something you don't want to do uh, and just cutting to the chase and having a good, solid, professional conversation. And these are the reasons why. Good for you. So that was that really helped me because yeah, I, you know, so I'm putting it off for three days, you know, and I just I need to do this today, you know. So I did find it very stressful, but that really helped. And I just cut to the chase and had that conversation. So realizing that at some point 
there had to be a start. You had to make a start with this difficult conversation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And just saying, going back to his quote, you know, just five minutes of pain doing something I really don't like, uh, you know, but, and then I felt so relieved. I left there just, uh, you know, take that big breath. I felt bad that I hurt their feelings. Uh, but I believed I was very professional about it, very kind about it. I'm not that kind of guy who's going to, you're fired, get out of here, you creep, or you know what I mean? I'm not like that. But just, uh, they were friends. Everyone you work with, you try to respect and not attack, I guess. Good for you. So yeah. it is a chance here. So for people listening, realizing, you know, there's some hard conversations maybe that they need to have in their life. Mm -hmm. So would there be any advice that you would give them for somebody that they have to have a difficult conversation with that they might respect, that they might love. What are some ways that you would pitch, since how you've just, not recently, but since how you've been through this, mm -hmm. anything you would kind of toss out there as pieces of advice for those people? Well, just being honest with yourself and with them, I think would be key. Um, like I said, it's never fun letting anyone go, no matter what the circumstances are. But I think, yeah, just being upfront, honest, and to the point, and, and having reasons why, and... And usually when you get to that point, it did just come out of nowhere. You know, there's been a build-up to it. There's, you know, you've hopefully you've had a couple of conversations on, you know, this isn't working out, and can we try to do this better? And I love it. The honesty, know. it always <laughs> speaks to me. Yeah, yeah and it's funny. It, when I first met Caesar, man, it would have been almost 20 years ago, and I found out he w was a working musician in a band. I, I thought that was so cool. I still do. And But the more I got to know him and the more we talked about the amount of times you had to either fire people or people would quit or they wouldn't show up to gigs. And I thought, it's a wonder anybody ever makes an album or ever tours ever. It's just amazing to me that any band can ever stick together for any length of time. After hearing you just talk about, you know, at length about the, the different personalities and everyone having a life and, and somebody might have a baby and now they're out of the band or somebody might get another job in another band and they're gone too or somebody might have a different musical taste and they say I don't want to do this anymore and they just leave and I can imagine you're, it, was, it was 20, 30, 40 years of you being a professional musician but it wasn't always easy in fact I would think a lot of it was a lot of hard work yeah I would absolutely agree with that comment so you came out of the musician world, and at some point you decided it was time to move into the office. So Absolutely. you went from being a professional musician, you traveled the world, you had your own schedule. Was it tough when you started in an office of having a more defined work schedule? Absolutely. It was a, it was a real big change for me. I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of with the musicians, hours. I mean, you know, it's 90% at nighttime and wee hours of the morning. I couldn't believe that people actually met at six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning and had <laughs> meetings. I just, you know, you guys are setting me up, and I thought, come on, you know. And of course, when I first told my boss that, he thought it was quite comical to the point it was every Monday morning at seven o'clock we had that meeting because of me opening my mouth. But uh, yeah, it was a very different, uh, different. Uh, well, even doing ten to thirteen. 14-hour days. I've right. never seen that in my life, you know. <laughs> right. uh, a five-hour gig would be us pushing the envelope. That would be like, are you kidding me, five hours? Sure. And even in that five hours, we'd have three half-hour breaks. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm doing 12 to 14-hour days. Yeah, it was very different, you know. I find, too, and this is my own personal opinion, so feel free to agree or disagree. I, full disclaimer, I, I had worked with Caesar for many years in an office together, and I always found that you had a great sense of fun about you, like life is an adventure and you weren't scared by challenges. And there's other people that work in an office, and we've all had this experience, that just seem completely joyless, no sense of humor. They're just there punching in and punching out. And I always thought it was so funny. I was so blessed. I was so 
uh, thankful that I got to work with you for so many years that you made work fun. You were always the first to sign up for something new or if there was an event around the corner, we, you were part of it. And I always thought that was, I was very fortunate. Um, but was that tough for you? Um, because you're coming out of an environment where everybody was like you and now you're working in an environment where you're the only one like you. And I just, I just, did you ever really think about that? Uh, yes, yes and no. But, you know, going back to a comment I said earlier, even, you know, you get that six to eight to ten musicians together. I mean, you're talking about personal, personality from A to Z, you know. Right. And uh, So similar to an office, you you adapt, you find people you like, you find people you just want to, well, stay away from that person. Or, <laughs> you know, you, you, you create friendships and some not so much. And office politics, it was a whole new world for me. I just never seen so much. Uh, that was hard to get used to, but uh, right. yeah. What are some ways that got you through? So making a huge shift, first mm -hmm. of all, going from something you're passionate and you're in love with mm -hmm. to now switching to a, a corporate, you mentioned, job. Yes. What are some ways that you helped set yourself up to succeed with that transition? Yeah. Well, I think making the change to the corporate world, and uh, the most interesting part about that was in sports. So something else I'm very passionate about. So being at the age of 40, I'm just making that change, feeling very fortunate that I'm doing two things I absolutely passionate about, music and sports. Um, I'm a hockey nut. I'm working in Calgary Flames. Life is good. Everything to me was new. You know, seeing all these teams come in every day, uh, practicing or coaches and players that idolize are in the building and they're on the ice to concerts again going back to the music thing being tied into that i don't think i've ever missed a band sound check because it just amazed me just to just sit back and watch and take it all in so you took passion yes i guess yeah One passion be, yeah, for another answer your question but yeah you're right i guess uh, there was probably passion to it and i was intimidated very much so because i just wasn't familiar with the whole office structure as i said the hours the people uh and uh, making that change, there was an area I was certainly embarrassed about, and I tried not to dwell on it, but I hit it very well, uh, being my age. And uh, so this would be back early 90s. Now I'm starting to work in the corporate world in sports. Uh, technology was a grind for me. I didn't grow up with technology. So, of course, everyone around me, you know, 20 years younger, was uh, well adapt to it where I was struggling and uh, so yeah it was a, a bit of a struggle but that would be my biggest challenge if making that that changeover was not being confident in some areas sales I was confident in so that even growing up uh, as a musician I was always in the sales part I managed the band I kind of sold it all the time so so how did you take something that you were not comfortable with so let's say the technical Wow. <laughs> Technology piece. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how did you own it? Like, how did you become, how did you increase your confidence level around that technology piece? That took a long time because, as I said, I was embarrassed about it. So I kind of kept that between me and myself. <laughs> you know, I mean, people knew or whatever, but I would never do anything on a computer in front of people because a lot of times it was even, even simplest typing. I was searching peck type of guy and to me I was embarrassed to do that in front of everybody so I'd never do it in front of everybody. But uh, just asking a lot of questions and people I, uh, that was, I was very comfortable with saying, I'm sorry, I'm just not getting this, you know. And so I, I asked a lot of questions and continued, to, but uh, yeah. It's so funny you mentioned that um, and I'll throw in a quick story. Mm -hmm. So a couple years into my friendship with Caesar. I, I own a set of drums and I fancy myself an okay drummer. I'm not any great shakes. I don't claim to be. 
course, I'm looking at Caesar as the god on the mountaintop who's learned how to play bass over the last 45 years, and he's a master bass player, right? So he invites me to jam the one day, and I go over to his place, and it was the exact same experience, but instead of you on a computer, it was me on a set of drums. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you and the other musicians in the room, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm the phony. They're all going to know that I have no idea what I'm doing here, and yet... It's so funny to hear you say that in an office environment because I know you. I've known you for years. You're so smart in, like we all are, in certain areas of our lives. You know, I mean, you could walk around a music studio and, I mean, I, I couldn't even hold a candle to what you would know in the studio. And yet in an office, that got flipped a little bit. So it's, yeah. it's interesting how the skills didn't necessarily translate from the music world into the yeah. office world. But that's the thing. Everybody has something and a whole bunch of stuff they're so good at mm. and everybody's going to have those areas that they need to work on or they're not so confident in so it's about i love 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 how you said you asked questions and you started to just ask and kind of inquire that information because mm. no one's perfect no one knows it all going out the gates man yeah. good on you yeah i uh I can understand how you know when everybody has their strengths, and this just came down to that, or me thinking that way, where I was okay, I can accept this. And I'm just a quick story of my boss. There's a boss that I totally respect. His name's Kelly Kissio. Just one of those guys that's just a great athlete. Whether he's playing golf, whether he's playing hockey, whether he's just you know, and me being the sports nut, you know, I said, why can't I be like that? Or at least that was my you know. But I remember him saying one day. Because you know, he was at a golf tournament. He hasn't even swung a club in two years, walks up and hits the ball 380 yards and wins the longest ball. And he didn't even take a practice swing, right? I'm going, unbelievable. How does this happen? And uh, I said, I bet you're good at every sport. He said, yeah, I'm pretty good at all of it, you know? And then he said to me, as I was walking out the room, because I'm shaking my head, going, why can't I be like that, you know? And he says, you know what I would do to learn how to play guitar and sit around a campfire and sing? <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of like it, it, something went off my head, and that's all he meant by it. And we all have our strengths and our downfalls. So that was something that stood out. And that's yeah. I think we were fortunate, you know, you and I having worked together for so many years, we were fortunate to be in an environment where we did feel comfortable asking for help and there were enough different skill sets. You know, I was in the finance area, he was in the sales area and we could complement each other. And if he needed help with finances or computers, you know, we had a nice IT guy there at the time and uh, later an IT lady was awesome. So we would uh, often ask for help and it was an environment where it was okay. Nobody, I, I think on the whole, there wasn't a lot of making fun if people didn't know something because everybody yeah. had their own little piece of expertise and as a whole, no one person could possibly know all of it. Exactly. So it was a fun place to work. They introduced us to a new ticketing system out of nowhere. You know, so finally, I'm, I'm learning things, getting there, and they introduce something completely. So I'm, as we said, stressed. I went from <laughs> zero to ten on the stress meter. <laughs> like, oh my god! And uh, this IT person you're talking about, Blair, I'm sure that's what sure. we're talking about. Yes. And he's going around to show everybody in sales and ticketing the new system. As he's sitting there showing it to me, I'm just acting like I've got all this. This is I'm walking right through <laughs> this, right? And then two days later, as I mentioned to you, I was embarrassed, but. Again, a good enough friend that I could just be brutally honest with. I said, Blair, you know, i got to be honest. I didn't get a thing, and I was just too embarrassed to tell you that. <laughs> oh, oh so my he... God, Caesar. I love that you think that, that right there. Really? Yeah. It's that courage of yeah. vulnerability. Yeah. Oh, well, he was beautiful. a good friend as well. So when I feel comfortable, similar to Carl, I said, guys, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know. And as he said, man, I get it. He said, I grew up with this stuff. He said, you're the same age as my dad, and he's the same way. And anyways, one day after work, he stayed with me for about two hours got through it and he said any questions so he was a good friend that was there for me all the time but it went from me thinking okay i think i'm finally comfortable with what i'm doing and then they went and changed everything on me so <laughs> very stressful but uh thank god for good friends but and thank god like it's 
beautiful that you're giving him so much of a shout out, mm -hmm. but it starts with you. So it starts with the person who's stressed out, yes. having the ability to say, no, I, I need help or yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. So good on you well, to reach you. out yes. and say, actually, no, I need <laughs> another run through about that. I think that's really important. And I think it's something as humans, we kind of have a block towards like, it's almost like we don't allow ourselves to ask too many questions or allow ourselves to not be perfect at everything. Yeah, well, nobody wants to look like a dummy, I don't think. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's sometimes the fear we have, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I noticed, you know, you had mentioned when you were a working musician, you were a lot of times in charge of the band. You were acting as an agent on behalf or a manager for the band. And a lot of it is people and relationships, either with club owners or other bands or musicians, that sort of thing. And then you move into the corporate world and you were in sales. And that's also a people business. Were you? Did you draw parallels between the two when you were in sales in a corporate environment? Were, was there times when you looked back and went, oh, I actually have this skill set because of my time as a musician? I guess in, in the sales part, yes. Uh, but didn't have a whole lot of confidence in, in the sense it was all new to me what I'm selling and we're talking millions of dollars out of nowhere, you know, and I'm just thinking that our band was not, not millions of dollars. But uh, I didn't, it was, it was similar, so there wasn't much difference uh, as far as knowing what I'm going to sell. I knew that I obviously had to have a plan. Um, I'm one of those people that believe with not having a plan, your plan to fail is just that simple. So I found things like that really, really helped me get through the week and, and it being, I'm a very structured person, so... If I know what I'm doing all day, I'll be fine. But if I'm just kind of winging it, so it was nice always coming in, knowing what I'm going to be doing. Now, sometimes that falls right off the rail, like in any job, you know, things are different on a certain day and, you know, you struggle a bit, but. What was the, was the sales aspect of it stressful for, for me? I'm not a salesperson. So when I hear, when I talk to salespeople, I think it sounds very stressful. You have an unlimited quota you have to meet. You're always trying to sell more stuff. Mm -hmm. You're making commission, and sometimes you know your your pay is up and then down and up and. Is that was that a stressful part of your life, or was that something you were used to because of your background as a musician? Uh, I would say very stressful. That's when I started really. Yeah, in those days for sure, stress was front and center of everything I did because uh, if I wasn't in the top few sales guys, I was taking it personally, going home thinking about it, as opposed to leaving the job at home. Simple things like going to bed, now I'm not sleeping because I'm thinking about it. Uh, yeah, I did find it very stressful. And so that right there, I'm sure anybody listening kind of went, mm, I understand that. I've yeah. been there. Yeah. So being somebody who is there, what's some recommendations? Like Because we all do. We all, unfortunately, let work bleed into our personal life some days. Or some days maybe it's not even work, it's something else. But yeah. that's stress. It's a common thing, and it's going to come up. Mm -hmm. So in your experience and you successfully handling stress, what are some ways that you would pitch? Well, it took a while for me to successfully <laughs> handle stress. Or I mean, like I said, I didn't even know I had the, the stress as bad as I did. Um, and, there's, and there's people that deal with it well. Like I said, there was other people I was working with in the very same office, and they weren't nearly as stressed out. Well, they weren't stressed out. I was the one taking it personally. I was the one taking it home. Um, but I, I got to a point, I just realized I need some help to get through this because I was really, really struggling with it. It got to be years and years, years, I mean, you know, 20 years of it, um, averaging, working, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say 70 hour weeks. So between the hours, the stress, I, and you know, not eating properly, a lot of it was just put on by myself. And then I just eventually got help and that would turned into a whole new thing that really, really helped me out. And, uh, 
And what was the what was the impetus? What happened in your life where you said you you flipped the switch in your mind and you said, "Oh, I recognize there's a problem here. I need to get some help." Well, it, unfortunately, it got to a point it was a little out of control, and I'll kind of just try to make this story short. But one night, I really, uh, again, kind of embarrassed to say it, but I really had—I don't want to say a breakdown—but I remember being home one night. I remember my wife was away; she was in New York, and I was just home by myself. Came home after another 14-hour day. Probably have done. 15 of those in that month at least. And I was just really, really tired. And then I ended up just kind of breaking down crying. I know it kind of sounds weird, but that's kind of what I did. And came out of it about five minutes later going, what was that about? I was just, you know, I'm still in my suit from work. I'm sitting in my living room, dark, and I'm crying. I'm going, this is, this is wrong. There's something wrong with me. You know what I mean? I just, as I said, I just took it to a whole new level of being stressed out and, uh, Oddly enough, there was a couple of signs that night, and a friend of mine posted something on depression on Facebook. And I'm just flipping through Facebook, so I decided I'm going to look into this. So I, you know, I read it, and I'm like, well, that's very interesting. Then I'm uh, turning on TV, and and TSN's on, and there's Mike Lonsborough uh, talking about depression and stress and ADHD and... So I listened to this. So there were three signs out of nowhere that were just right out of the clear blue of everything I'm dealing with. So on Monday morning, I called my doctor, uh, my family doctor, and I, I, you know, obviously he's not a counselor or anything, but I just knew that he were good friends and that he'd point me in the right direction, and I did. I went and sat with him for about half an hour. He uh, gave me his laptop, and he said, these are 30 signs of depression. And uh, he said, be really honest with yourself and just knock off each one. Anyways, I had 17 out of the 30, far as anxiety, far as not sleeping well, far as now... Now it's time to get up in the morning. I just, I'm so tired because I'm not sleeping. Uh, bad diet, anxiety. It's just, there it was a whole steamroll of things that I was. So I ended up getting some help. And by, by help, I mean getting some counseling. And we discovered I had ADHD and <laughs> stress. So it was a crazy time in my life. There's so much there that I just want to like, first of all, shout out to you. Because it's, I love it how you seem to give credit to everybody else. <laughs> because you're like, oh, these things just happen to come on. Or in my eyes, looking at it, it's like, no, you were self-aware enough to notice yeah. those things. Well, I, as I said, just sitting at home by myself on a Friday night, coming back from work, and I'm sitting there and I'm crying and going, something's up here. I mean, this is not a normal guy or a normal situation, right? And I knew I needed help, and I just didn't know which way to turn. But so, a lot of people don't, don't yes. give it the time yeah. and energy to realize, no, this doesn't feel right to me anymore, and something's got to change. Absolutely. So... Yeah. Once again, another, I feel like I'm shouting out to Caesar all day. <laughs> all right. I'll take it. No, it's all good. But but. Good for you to recognize and seek the help. Yeah. And after you did that, because like there's so many people out there that, you know, there's a stigma or, you know, maybe they're just too nervous or you don't want to make that, that jump. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess the kind of thing I'm, I'm hoping you can give them is what changed for you when you reached out? So you mentioned counseling and stuff like that. What are some ways that that impacted your life? Well, just uh, being able to talk to a professional who, who deals with this on a regular basis on the do's and the don'ts and the approaches you might want to take as far as, uh, you know, just even just reading, listening. Listening to him was just so helpful. There were different uh, situations he would explain. And I, I just took his advice, and I, uh, again, I didn't even know I had ADHD as well. Um, which I, I, I probably, you knew that, because <laughs> I couldn't sit still for 40 minutes, right? And I said, so, okay, I got to go visit Carl, or I got to go visit somebody, you know, and even if you were busy. 
but that was uh, part of part of my job that I, I just couldn't sit all day at the desk and just do my job without running all over the place, right? And I didn't notice that. I didn't recognize it at the time that that's what it was. Yeah. I just thought you were a really cool guy in the office because while we were all sitting in these endless meetings or sitting at our desks working like drones, you were walking around talking to people and telling stories and having a laugh and, you know, getting into trouble. And I always thought this was, this was such a, this was the cool guy in the high school running around and I'm going, man, like I want to be like this guy because he is this adventurous guy. Not realizing of course that there's like a possible medical condition. No, but it was just, it was just fascinating to see how, what I considered from my vantage point to be a positive attribute at work. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, man, this guy is so full of life and he's so full of adventure. And meanwhile, you're saying, no, this was actually, um, I guess I don't want to say it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it was, it was causing stress because, yeah. you know, being forced to sit in training for eight hours would be torture on you. Absolutely. It was torture. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But I did, as, as you mentioned, far as reaching out, there's a lot of help out there and, uh, it's, you know, if you're talking counseling, you know, it can get expensive, but there are people that, that don't charge that are very helpful, and uh, they, they certainly put you on the right track, and it's just nice really listening to them and their advice and the do's and don'ts, so I found it very helpful. So I think that's, yeah, I think we all need that little pep talk sometimes, and yeah. I think the more willing we are to say, you know what, I could use that right yeah. now, I, I think it just helps us be our better selves. Yeah, and I think you get to the point where, you know, you're like as I said, I was embarrassed. I was uh, you're just embarrassed about it, I guess. And really, there's no reason to be embarrassed. There's a lot of people are going through the exact same well, thing. That's exactly Caesar. it. So oh. just to that's hear exactly that, you, or at least that's how I felt. And in, in when my talking to my doctors, they're saying it's okay. We're going to get through this. It's not a big deal. You're the one making. You know, he was saying you're the one making a big deal. Yes, you've you've got some things you need to work on, and we'll work on that together. And he was just a, actually he was a great counselor in the sense he just made me feel relaxed. I listened to him. I did the homework he asked me to do, uh, read books he asked me to read or listen to DVDs or, you know, different stories. And it was very helpful. And I was really reluctant about trying drugs for the ADHD. And uh, he, and he just, yeah, that was his thing, just to try it. And, uh, you know, he was telling me he had a very good friend that's very, very spiritual and they didn't know no drugs, no nothing. And, uh, but he said it saved their marriage. And that's what he was trying to say to me. So it's not like I'm trying to sell you these drugs. He's not making a profit from it, but it did help him. And he was a very good friend of his. So, so I decided to try these drugs, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm into a year of it now. And we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. It's about trying different things, yes. I think, no matter what that is. Like, I love how you're talking about books that they gave you or just advice. And I think, you know, first of all, once again, you're just earning so much love for me, just being so vulnerable about it. Because I think it's when we show up and have this real conversation with each other in a room yeah. that people can benefit from it. So there's people out there who are back when you were too embarrassed to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. And to hear you say, you know what, I was embarrassed, but I seeked out, I did it, and it totally impacted my life like that's a life-changing thing it absolutely was that absolutely. you can give yeah, and just feeling comfortable with it and hey am, am i am i all fixed and better i don't know about that <laughs> but i'm aware of it you know when i catch myself getting real hyper and okay i'm getting wound up now and i i tend to catch it and just try to take a deep breath and think of some of the things i've learned from or what the doctors would suggest or i should say doctors or just people i was speaking to on 
just relax. And it's, what's the worst case that can happen, right? And that's what I kept putting. What is the worst outcome that's going to happen here, right? So, Well, I remember you told me a story, and I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you want to repeat it, go for it. I, th- I think it's an awesome story about uh, you had mentioned about driving in traffic and having people letting in people. Oh, on the, yeah. I mean, if you want, I don't know if you want to tell that story. I think it's, I think it's hilarious because I can relate. I think we all can relate to having road rage or getting frustrated in heavy traffic. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, the doctor gave you some pretty interesting advice. Oh, absolutely. And that was, yeah, it's funny you bring that up because there's an area that I've really changed in. For example, I mean, and he made me, you know, I know it sounds dumb, but I was a road rage guy. I mean, if you cut in front of me, I... You know, I'm out to chase you and give you the finger and tell you what I think of you. And, you know, really, what's, you know, what was so he got that in my head for starters. But, oh, there was a certain route every morning going to work. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he wanted me to try this. And, uh, for example, I always struggle with people, uh, you know, traffic sits full on, but they go right to the top of the lineup and they're just butting in. They're not doing what everybody should be doing, right? So I'm the kind of guy, go, I'm not even looking at you. There's not a chance I'm letting you in. Not going to happen. Just, and I don't even look at him. Like I just, I'm bumper to bumper with the guy in front of me. And like far as, you know, so, so his, my doctor thought this was quite comical that I was such a road rage guy, right? And uh, so he wanted me to start practicing things. For example, I want you to take that exact same route. And tomorrow morning, you're going to go in and you're going to let that guy in and tell him to have a good day and smile. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, that was tough. <laughs> you know, well, I don't like doing this, but here I am smiling and waving to the guy to have a good day. And I just, you know, so. It was, but how did that? Oh, I it, love it because now oh, it's yeah. like you just gave me a tool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I laughed all the way through it. I mean, but I'm saying he's right. And what's the big deal? You know, but. I've remembered that for years. I remember that for years because when I'm on, when I'm in traffic, my natural inclination, my inclination is to do exactly what you suggested. To I'm going to butt up against the car in front of me, and life is not fair, and this guy's not going to get in front of me. And I, I remembered what you told me about that, and I thought I'm going to try that too. And so I have to be honest. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Right. So I'm not suggesting I'm Mr. Zen. But I, I, I've thought about that ever since you told me, and I thought, wow, it, it's an interesting thing to aspire to. It's an interesting goal to aspire yeah. to, to have that level of calmness in your life in every facet where you're just so full of love and you're so full of generosity um, that, you know, somebody is – it's, it's on them if they choose to have the bad experience. And it, it's a great thing to aspire to, yeah. you know. I mean, we're all human, so yeah. we're going to fall short a little bit, I think, yeah. you know. I had the old, uh, you know, pay it forward. A uh, similar story happened to me. At Timmy's a little while ago. I'm just going through the lineup, and this guy's just honking and screaming at everybody. <laughs> and you know, he's just he's got the truck the size of this room, you know, and one of those guys. And that's fine. I mean, again, here I am judging, but not really. And I could just tell he's wound right up. So I just made a point of buying him a coffee and a muffin because I was ahead of him and sent it back. And then I'm peeling away, and he actually came to the light beside me and said, apologized. You know, uh, I couldn't even believe it. I said, hey, don't worry about it. And it, that would have been me. So it was just funny how a little bit of role reversal. I just bought him a coffee and a muffin. And, of course, they tell you, that, you know, he went to pay for whatever he got. And so this guy paid $5 towards whatever he was buying. So, uh, and then he came and I said, man, I'm sorry. I'm just having a bad day. I said, hey, hope you have a better one. Take care. You know, so that made me feel good, you know. Just that's fascinating. A $5 investment, you know what I mean? It's like $5, it wasn't a big deal, but all of a sudden, that's awesome. But you taking that time and doing something positive and nice for somebody else had 
the huge impact and it ended up giving you yeah the positivity walking yeah, away from yeah, absolutely yeah we both looked at each other laughed and have a good day and it was like hey that, that felt actually felt good you know so wow so guys yeah. you heard it from caesar if you're having a bad day go to the nearest coffee place yeah. <laughs> pay for yeah. somebody's coffee yeah. well it's always nice to be kind i guess and, it, and you feel good about it no matter how big or how small it is or just a simple smile there's help somebody it's just uh isn't it, it a beautiful a thing way, you know? and like and it's yeah. stressful like i know for me when i'm stressed out the most those are the days that i want to tap into that that positivity in the world yeah. the most so those are the days i will try extra hard to open the door for somebody else yeah, absolutely or let somebody in traffic <laughs> or yeah. get the coffee still struggle with that one <laughs> yeah, totally but i do it yeah. you know? there's something you mentioned that i want to jump back to a bit earlier where you had mentioned the adhd and i thought it was fascinating how if you have a physical problem, like let's say I hurt my leg, I would have no shame in saying, oh, I got to go to the doctor. I have to go get surgery or whatever. But yet there's somehow this this stigma mentally that, you know, we only ever talk about it as there's something wrong. And what I love is, you know, Caesar and I sat down a, a couple years ago and he said, I have ADHD. And I was like, oh, I don't even know what that is. Like I, I've heard of it, but not to any great experience. And I, I think it really helped our friendship because it was first and foremost – being honest and intimate with each other about what we knew about it, what we didn't know about it. But then going forward, it allowed me to look at you in a different way so that if we were out and about shopping or maybe we're golfing or whatever it is, I knew this piece about you. And so I was able to filter things a bit differently. So had I not known, for example, I'd be like, wow, Caesar doesn't listen to me very often. And I wonder why. Well, if it's a noisy room, now I know if it's a noisy room, if we go to a restaurant, for example, and it's noisy, mm -hmm. I know you have trouble concentrating. And so it's not a, it's not a personal thing anymore. It's just, oh, well, that's, that's yeah. the situation. Yeah. And so I know that if I have something really important I want to tell you, I'll wait until we're in a quiet area or I'll wait till we're alone. And I don't, it's not like I was all offended before, but I was often confused by it. I would be like, well, I don't understand. Like, you know, we're in a noisy restaurant. I don't understand why he's, he's not able to hear my story as well as everybody else could or something. Right. Yeah. So it, it was, it was I, I really appreciated that when you were honest about that, because I think it really brought our friendship to the next level, that we were able to be honest with each other, that it's not a big thing. We can overcome it, and it, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, but it was an extra piece of information that I think helped our friendship grow. Just getting back to that, one of the uh, suggestions my counselor made was telling people that you care about. You know what I mean? Not right. that I want to wave the flag. Hey, look what I got. I'm fighting <laughs> depression. I'm fighting 80. I'm nuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but he did, he did explain to me. He said, just for the simple reason, it'll, it'll, it'll explain things to them. And I'll just use an example with one of my bosses again at the Saddle Dome, Mike Franco, who I think the world of. I remember going into talking to him about it and just saying, you know, I'm not here to, <laughs> I'm not bragging about any of this because there's nothing to brag about, but I, I've got some issues and I just want to talk. And he was so thankful, similar to what you just said, that I told him because there were moments where he was going, what is he doing? <laughs> right. Right. Why is he doing this? And, but we had a good relationship. We were friends besides him being my boss. We were, you know, he was always a real gentleman right from the get-go and, we started working there at the same time, you know. So we, we worked together for a good 15, 16, 17 years together. And, but he thanked me for that because he said it just meant a lot. And all of a sudden, he had a whole different outlook on it, you know. So 
That's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. So so I love that's that. That's another beautiful tip, though. Like, I love it. I'm sitting back here taking everything <laughs> you guys are saying. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It's like you're stressful. And even if you're, like, stressed going through something, to reach out. First of all, I'm looking at two good friends side by side me right now and how one friend is telling the other friend how much he respected and appreciated that honesty and vulnerability. Absolutely. And how yeah. it made them come together and bond together better as friends yes so guys anybody just because you're going through that stressful moment and you're you feel alone you always have that option to reach out and make that connection yeah it's always there yeah. too yeah it really helped me with all you know like I said whether it be with my friends such as carl we're talking about or, or people i was working with and you know i didn't go around telling everybody but as you said you know you just pick your spots you don't want to you know <laughs> Go in and be telling the whole world what's going on with you and you know, you're struggling with stuff. But he said, it'll, just, it'll explain things to them and it will make sense. And like I said, for yourself yeah. and for my boss, Mike, he did say thank you because he, he could take a step backwards and go, okay, we're, we're okay. And, at least, and more importantly, that I'm doing something about it or trying to, trying to do something about mm -hmm. it, you know? But so your side of it now, because we heard Carl's side as your friend mm -hmm. and you just mentioned how your boss was so appreciative that you shared that information. Mm -hmm. Now, for you, the individual who's going through that stressful time, what did that do for you, sharing with people? I think for them, number one, just let them know that, you know, I have some issues I'm trying to deal with. But I, I think in the big picture, I just knew I, I am going to get through this. I am going to get some help. And somehow we're going to make these changes. And some days will be easy. Some days won't. But we'll, we'll, we're on it. We're going to fix it, <laughs> you know. And, and as I said, I just tried the medication for a while. And uh, that seemed to help, so... And the ability of being able to tell people, did that offer you anything else? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, because, you know, one thing the counselor stressed to me was uh, telling people you care about. You don't just have to go Absolutely. make it a, you know, casual conversation in your life all the time. But he said, just, just the people that, uh, that you work with daily, whether it be in the band, whether it be in the office, whether it be friends, just, you know, you just let them know that you're going through a few things. And, and how did that impact your relationship with them? Yeah, did you know that friends like me were supporting you absolutely okay yeah. yeah there was you know i think i surprised a few people like sure. like my friend uh, my boss and, and he went oh i never knew you were you know many ways but but i think actually me telling him this you know bells were going off in his head where you know as he said there was times and he was kind of scratching his head on a couple of things i was doing but uh yeah he was real yeah. happy and so was i i just felt better that i could tell him uh why i was doing some of those weird things i was yeah. doing yeah. i'm really surprised at how common depression is in the world like oh. i'm really I, i'm constantly surprised by it and i and i know I, sh I shouldn't be so i'm just being honest i just i don't have that level of recognition that i should have in the world i'm yes. not aware enough in it but i'm constantly aware i remember when you told me and i just went what because yeah. exactly what you mentioned i thought depression was walking around sad all the time well you're one of the most upbeat funny people i know yeah. in the world i mean <laughs> you're you're amazing and so for me i was like he's got depression like yeah. oh my goodness yeah. and i it was shocking to me yeah. and so i i mean again i appreciate you letting me know but i didn't even know what it was I, I i did research after you told me too i was going well it's not what i think it is so i had to really drill down on what it meant to even yeah. have clinical depression or seasonal effectiveness disorder or any of these things yeah. i didn't know what they were yeah nor did i and example, like that's you know, i go back to that friday night i was going what is going on in my world because this is like I said, I didn't like myself. I didn't like the way I was reacting, uh, you know. And, and then outside, I mean, everyone thought I was at least, you know, I was acting normal in my mind that I thought. But when right. I got home and did some soul searching, it, it was tough to uh, deal with at the first. But I realized that, as I said a few times today, there, there was some help there to be had. Yeah. And I was 
going to get there. Yeah. I love, too, about how our friendship has grown over the years that we can talk about this stuff openly, too. And I'll give you a quick example. When I first met Caesar, we went golfing a couple times. And we'd go golf out of town. So he would come by and pick me up in the morning, and we'd go for a golf. Well, I have to be honest, it was it was painful because, as he mentioned, and I'm not telling tales out of school, but the road rage was off the charts back in those days. So even just to drive out to the golf course, it was really uncomfortable. But I'd never had the courage to tell him because we weren't, well, we had only known each other for a few years, right? And then we'd golf for the day and we'd drive back home and I'd go, man. But now we can kind of joke about it because we've all got those issues. Like, for example, I have issues when I played goaltender in hockey and Caesar always jokes about it because I would get really stressed out about it. So I can totally, it's more like we're coming at it from the same place. Like we can appreciate, we can support each other and go, I've been there too, as opposed to silently going, oh man, you know, you get home at the end of the day and you go, man, you know, that was really tough, but I didn't want to tell him about it. Uh, now we can totally tell each other about it. We can joke about it almost like, you know, you've got your issues, I've got my issues and we're here to support each other rather than, um, rather than suffer through them. We can be like, no, no, you know, we're working on it. And we can be open and honest about us working on it. Yeah. I just think that's so cool. I love that level of friendship that we have. Yeah, you know? I uh, very much agree. I know we had some, some funny times on the golf course <laughs> and on the ice. So and on the ice, we'll exactly. Nobody needs <laughs> to hear that kind of stuff. But, totally. uh, yeah, there were some comical moments, and we're both shaking our heads at times. But here we are, friends, many years later. Absolutely. It's a great friendship. So going through those moments mm -hmm. and reaching out, first of all, getting some amazing tools, which I love and I'm very appreciative that you're sharing with us today. So talking to people was one of them, uh, using some of the tips and tricks that uh, other people in your life kind of gave you to be able to get through. Mm -hmm. I think it's all valuable information like books or, or friends or even professionals. Now having that kind of, I want to say, tools in your tool belt almost <laughs> How did that help you for the next stressful time in your life? Because, like, you're sitting here. First of all, me and Carl are dreaming about retirement. <laughs> I know I have been. <laughs> but, like, it's it's a change. It's It's got to be a stress. I like would think it's one of the life. biggest stressful changes in, in your life, I would think, is, is disengaging from a full-time job. And you wake, like, what was that first moment like? You wake up and it's Monday morning and you don't have a full-time job anymore. What was that <laughs> Besides the like? celebration. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I have to be honest, there uh, wasn't much stress to the retirement factor at all. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, you think about things, of course. You're trying to plan and um, you're know, hoping you have enough money and you start, uh, but certainly never stress. I was excited more than stress. I can't, I don't even think the word... I think I left the stress at work, if that makes any sense, and just knowing that I don't have to deal with that. And uh, that was the biggest. I mean, you know, that first day was unbelievable. It was a beautiful day. Were you ever <laughs> nervous? Were you ever nervous about being bored or growing old and being lonely? Like, did any of these sort of stereotypical thoughts about well, retirement ever come into your mind? Uh, well, yes. I mean, I had many friends uh, tell me I'm going to be bored and I'm going to be young and you know, I'm three years in, and I haven't hit the board stage once. I have to be honest. I can't think of, yeah, any day that I'm sitting around, I am bored. I got nothing to do. And I guess it's just really not my uh, personality. Uh, as far as retirement, I think keep, keeping active, and for me, I have to keep active, and, and I am. I'm, I play hockey three or four times a week. I go to the gym three or four times a week. Uh, myself and my wife, Christine, we drive uh, autistic kids from home to school, and then we pick them up again in the afternoon. So it's kind of nice. You got to be up out of the house. Uh, it was funny when I was interviewing for that position. Uh, they uh, 
asked me what I like about retirement. I said, getting up when I want and avoiding traffic. She said, well, you're, <laughs> you're going to be doing both. But it was a whole different, you know, I mean, I'm going for 45 minutes in the morning. But there's things I like about it. It gets me up and out of the house. And nine times out of ten, I'm either going to the gym by 9 o'clock or I'm get, going home, getting my hockey stuff together, and off to the rink I go. So it feels like to me, as you're sitting here telling me, that you've taken the time to recognize things that you love and that make you feel important and you've placed those throughout your day for yes. success. Yeah, and haven't even touched on the music stuff yet. I'm still playing, I'm freelancing as a musician. I'm in a couple of different bands and I'm still practicing as much as I ever have. You've, you know, um, yeah, so I, between all of it, I'm, I'm a busy guy. So when people say, are you bored? I'm, I'm not even close to being there. It's amazing to me, uh, uh, just talking about just the bass and just the musician piece of it, the lifelong learning that you've really embraced. Having known you for many years, I always looked, especially when I first met you, I always looked at you as like a super expert on the bass. And you are. I'm not taking that away. But what strikes me is the amount of new things you're constantly learning, new songs, new arrangements. Um, at one point, you just bought a drum set, decided to play drums. And I was just like, wow, you could have totally rested on all of the things you've done. And you never bring those up. You're always the first to embrace something new and talk about a new song and a new adventure and a new band. I just think that's so cool uh, when you don't have to do that. No, but I guess, you know, going back to the passion, to me, it's not work. It's not like something, oh, I got to do this. I don't want to do this. I mean, we all have days. There's days I have to bit, you know, where I'm learning or doing some stuff musically that may not be all that interesting, but I still enjoy it. But in the big picture, it's, it's, it's a great thing. I love it. So, Dan, after sitting back and telling us about your your life and kind of everything you've learned over the years, if you could shoot some advice back to maybe 30 years ago or maybe some time in your life that you were going through a lot of stress, what would be some advice that you would hand out there? Thinking about that, I would have to say not being afraid to ask questions and not being embarrassed about it, uh, which I was until you know the last I would say 10 years but prior to that if anything was going a little rocky for me I would never talk about it I would just kind of keep it inside and hold it in and and that's where stress all came from right so it just keeps building but certainly reaching out getting some help not being afraid to get help and there's nothing wrong with it there's many people dealing with the same situation and, and since you've done that you know, you've, you've taken those steps. You've been, my favorite word ever, vulnerable, mm -hmm. you know, and had those connections. How do you think that, have, that has impacted your life? Oh, it's, it's it very much helped me out in many aspects. The main one just being I'm aware of it, um, getting the help. And like I said, it's not a matter of taking a drug and you're going to be cured. But, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of admitting it having friends that you can talk to about it, reaching out and getting some professional help that can certainly guide you down the right path. Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation and we're so grateful for the time that you've spent with us today. There's some, there's about three or four takeaways that I know, you know, I've really hit me hard in this interview. You know, the first one is about seeking out and talking to people. Yeah. Seeking out and talking to people. Like I, um, I, I tear up and I, I get so excited when people are, they're just vulnerable with each other because I see that as an opportunity t for connection and to be heard and to realize you're not so alone and that you don't have to do this all by yourself. So I beyond appreciate you coming and, and telling us about your process because I believe if anybody out here listening today 
can take that away. Like, what a beautiful gift to be able to give them. Hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, as I said, you just nothing to be embarrassed about. That's the biggest thing, and I was, but I think most people are. You're afraid about making that step, too. And it really helped me out, and it's just nice to talk about it, too. You know, professionals that know what they're doing guide you in and out of certain situations, but... Another thing that really hit me in this interview is the amount of charitable work that Caesar's done. It's funny you mention the uh, the driving of the children, and I know you know we've been not that I'm trying to brag about myself, but I mean I am proud of it. We've also given blood over the years, you know, many times, you know, and that's a nice. It's a it's a social event too, right? The three of us have gone out to go give blood, and and then we usually go out for dinner afterwards or something. And I just it's really it's a I, I find charitable work is so rewarding on so many levels, and not just oh aren't we so great, but it's like the bonding as a group. I really I really enjoy that. It's the gift that keeps giving, and <laughs> that's not just blood. <laughs> but, like, it is. It's charitable work. It's giving the blood. It's the foundations you dedicate your time towards. It's driving kids to school programs or reaching out to hospitals or old-age homes. Like, it's, it's that giving back, and I find it uh, funny a little bit because they always say, oh, you're doing such good work. But I feel it's such positivity that builds up inside yourself. So I feel as much as you're seen as giving, I feel you get so much from those types of work too. Absolutely get that back. Uh, you know, you f when, when you're giving, it's just such a great feeling. No matter how little or how big it is, it's just, uh, you know, puts you in a great mood. And there's something to be said about being kind to everyone. It's just, uh, it makes you feel good. So simple. Another thing that's really struck me in this interview is and, it's, and I don't mean popularity. I mean the friendships, the true relationships. One of the things that I've, I've looked at Caesar over the years as one of my mentors in my life is the relationships that he has with people. Genuine friendships, genuine business relationships, genuine coworker relationships. And it's something that I've tried to model over the years. I don't know if I've ever told you this, so this might come as a surprise. But, you know, having worked in finance for many years, my job was sitting in front of a computer and I would often not talk to many people. And you really showed me the value of having high quality relationships with people in your life. So I, that's something that I actually I've learned from you and tried to model over the years. Mm -hmm. So I just think, you know, I love the fact that we're friends and our friendship has grown over the years. Um, you know, it's funny. We haven't worked together for 10 years mm -hmm. and yet you're still such a huge part of my life. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Well, feelings mutual. <laughs> And talking about, like, I love it. I get to witness right here, guys. I wish you could see what I'm seeing, is the appreciation and the bonding and the connection. And all because somebody had the ability and the willingness to show up and be seen and have a conversation. And that allowed to build such a beautiful friendship. And I think that's something to take away. It's such a beautiful gift to give yourself and to give those people around you. Yeah, it's 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 great to be able to to connect with the real you, and it you know, I feel that way about all, all of my friends. But I mean, I love the idea that I don't have to wear a mask or I don't have to watch what I say. I can be the real me, and you can be the real you. And I just love that we can spend time together and truly enjoy each other's company. That's what a good friendship's all about. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just wrap it up right there. It's it's uh, yeah. When you're comfortable with each other, you can pretty much talk about anything. I love it. It's a, it's a good feeling. So you guys, so you got so many good tools here. You got somebody who had the willingness and courage to come on today and kind of walk through their process of how they dealt with stress. And hopefully we're able to 
to kind of have some good tools left in your ear as you go through your day. Fantastic. So on that note, we'll wrap it up. Another episode of Power Yourself. Now, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook. We also encourage you, Jillian, you've got another hot tip here for social media. Well, I like the iTunes pitch. Like yes. us on iTunes. <laughs> Give so us a on, review. Yes. So go on to iTunes. Leave us a review. It really helps with the search results. And as always, we encourage you to get involved in the discussion. Leave us a comment. Like us. Follow us. We really appreciate you guys listening. And we really want you to use it and connect with each other and ourselves. Thank you so much for your time. So for Power Yourself, I'm Carl. Thank you to Dan Caesar, our guest. And thank you, Jillian. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you next time on Power Yourself. Bye for now.